I'm going to wrap up this series today called The Church and talk about the importance of commitment. And if you were here last week or if you've heard the message since last week, this is kind of a part two of that same message. This is kind of a, uh, a go back and pick up where we left off with those three commitments we talked about last week and then talking why they're so important for us today. Last week we finished our time together by talking about three commitments that we need to renew and that we must keep going forward in our lives. Three commitments that are vitally important. Now, if you missed the message, you can go back and catch it wherever you get your podcast, Eden Prairie Assembly of God, through our website, epag.church, or through the epag app on your smart device. Here are the three commitments. Our commitment to Jesus and the Bible. We must renew and keep our commitment to Jesus and the Bible. Number two, we must renew and keep our commitment to parenting and generational transfer. We saw in Judges chapter 2 what can happen when we're not intentional to pass truth on to the next generation. And then thirdly, our commitment to reach culture without resembling culture. That, that we're living in the world, we're still in this world, but we're not going to live as part of the world the same way the world around us is. But at the same time, we want to reach and engage the people around us. Now, as I said, today we're going to finish this series. And I want to I do that by giving you a couple of Maybe this is too strong of a word, but maybe not. I want to give you a couple of, of warnings, uh, of awareness for us in the day we're living. And then I want to end with some encouragement for us as we navigate these days on earth. Why do these commitments matter so much? When we talk about committing to Jesus and the Bible, when we talk about committing to parenting and generational transfer, when we talk about committing ourselves to reaching culture without resembling it, why do these commitments matter so much? Well, let me start on the first commitment to Jesus in the Bible. Here's why it matters. There is and there will be a focused attack on truth. If you're a Jesus follower, you probably already realize this. I would even go far enough to say that not only is there an attack or an assault on truth, but there is a, an intentional rejection of truth in our world today. Let me take you to the Scripture. Now, I'm going to read a chunk here, and I'm going to encourage you to write it down, go back and read it again, and, or take a note in some way and go back and read it again, mark it on your Bible app, go back and read it again, and chew on the descriptions that God gives us through the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. But God shows His anger or wrath from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. We'll talk about God's wrath in just a moment. Notice this next phrase. They know the truth about God because He has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see His invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship Him as God or even give thanks. And they begin to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused, Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. Notice this. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded, here's a key phrase in this section of Scripture, they traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshipped and served the things of God, God created instead of the Creator Himself who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. 
This is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have relations and instead indulged in relations with each other. And men, instead of having normal relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God or to put God first or to follow Him, He abandoned them. Is that not the third time we've read that similar phrase? He abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning. I believe it's one translation that reads, They invent new ways of doing evil. And they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die. Yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. Let me just pause first and ask you. Do you hear any similarities to the culture we're living in today? How did, we, how did we get to a point in our culture where some of the major things that we're, we're facing, some of the major things that we're dealing with, some of the major conversations or hot-button topics, how did we get to a point where these things are what's going on? Well, if you read Romans 1, you begin to understand that there are people who are rejecting the truth of God. They're rejecting His Word and rejecting, as a result, His ways as well. Now, Romans 1 teaches us that God goes to great lengths to speak to people. In fact, creation itself. If you could imagine today if I came out with a book out of my office, any, any random book, or maybe even better yet, if I came to you with one of my children's books, not my children's book, my children's book. Anyway, you'll catch that in a minute. If I came to you with one of my children's books, one of my girls' books, that has the pictures and the colors and the text, everything on it, and I handed it to you, and I said, take a few moments and flip through the book. And you look through the book, and you observe all the beautiful colors and all the text and all of that. And then I was to ask you and say, do you believe that everything in that book just happened? Do you believe those colors just magically appeared on the page? Do you believe the text just magically appeared on the page? Do you believe that that happened? And of course... Logic even would tell us that someone had to create those pages, someone had to print those pages, it had to be put together by someone. That's a good illustration, a simplistic illustration, but a good illustration about creation of the world, the galaxy, the the nature of how we're living now. God created the heavens and the earth, and through that creation, He's speaking to humanity. The, the colors of the trees, the, the ability that a tree has to grow from a seed that is much smaller than it, the ability that a tree has, if you've noticed lately, that the leaves are turning colors and then they fall off and die and then comes a Minnesota winter. If you've noticed all of the changes that happen through the seasons, just, that's just a small fraction, not even to take into consideration how we are made and the complexities of our bodies and the functions of how our bodies work and, and just the ability that you can see me and I can see you this morning. It's all a product of creation, of God creating us. And through that, we're recognizing there had to be an intelligent designer. There had to be someone who put all of this together. It doesn't just happen. So throughout eternity, God has been going to great lengths to speak to people. And a lot of that speaking has been through His creation. But then He's also given His Word and people who proclaim His Word so that people would hear the truth. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So the idea is through the years, God has used people to speak the truth so that people would hear and could know Him. But Romans 1 teaches us that When people choose to reject God and His truth, people subject themselves to the consequences of their own actions. Now when you read about God's wrath or God's anger, we think about it in terms of our own wrath or anger. Uh, Maybe some of you uh, are married today and you feel like your spouse sometimes puts you under their wrath or anger. 
I only got one person laughing out of that, so it must be pretty serious on the way to church this morning. When we think about, yeah, it was a setup, all right. When we think about God's wrath or God's anger, we can't compare it to us because when we think about our anger or our wrath, it's often uncontrolled and reactive to something that's going on in our life. God's wrath or God's justice or God's anger towards sin is not some uncontrolled, irrational response towards people. God, simply in who He is, is holy and just and righteous. There's no sin in Him. There's no error in Him. So He cannot love sin. He cannot smile upon sin, if you will. If He did, He wouldn't be pure. Okay? So in the past, He dealt with people and they rejected him, even if you go back and read in the Old Testament periodically, they rejected him and what happened? Well, there were moments where there was a complete flood of the earth. There was a moment of captivity for, for different people groups. There were moments of famine that happened. Now, in this present time, we don't see it the same way in our, in our New Testament or this moment of living in our world today. What God is doing as far as His wrath and anger is saying, okay, if you want to reject my truth, if you want to reject what I'm telling you and how to live, then I'm going to give you over to it. You go do your own thing, but be aware you're going to reap the consequences. Now, we don't always know where that line is. Where, what is the line where people are given over to their reprobate minds or given over to their depraved minds? Where's the line of where people reject God to a point that they're handed over to their own ways? We, we probably would struggle to define where that line is, and that's why He's God and we're not. But what we know is that if you continue to reject the tug of the Holy Spirit, if you continue to reject what God is saying in your life, you're rejecting the greatest and only voice of truth that's going to lead you the right way. So God's saying, if you don't want to hear the truth, then I'm going to hand you over to what you really want. The ultimate wrath of God will come in the end of all time when there's judgment for rejecting His truth. So let me, let me bring it back to our text and where we're at today. What we're seeing play out so much today in our culture started somewhere along the way with the rejection of God's truth. And when you reject God's truth, who's leading your way of thinking? You are. So when you reject God's truth and you continue to live, you then continue to live in your own foolish thinking and your own desires and your own ways of doing things, it's no wonder that Romans 1 describes where we're at in our culture, that people are doing whatever they desire, however they feel, without any standard or regard for truth. Good is called evil. Evil is called good. People are attempting to use reasoning to justify immoral lives that contradict God's Word. And I want to be careful here because I, I don't want you to misunderstand or misjudge what I'm about to say. But just this week, I could hear someone talking about how the issue of life or death when it comes to a baby in the womb is an issue of inflation. Where just this week I heard someone use the issues of inflation and use the issues currently happening as a justifiable reason as to why someone should choose to take the life of a baby in the womb. Yes, that's my home state. Thank you. Whoever shouted that. My point is not to uh, speak ill against people who are facing unplanned moments. Because if we're going to say we're pro-life, then we got to be pro-life all the way around. Okay? From womb to the tomb, baby, pro-life all the way. Okay? So, so we should be the church who is rallying around people that if, even if they are feeling the economic stress or the struggle or they've been abandoned by whatever the case, we could go through lists of scenarios, okay? But we should be supportive. We should be engaging. We should believe that God can do incredible things in people's lives. We should believe there's a purpose and a plan for that child and whatever it is. 
My point is not to get into the political, politicized issue of abortion or a baby in the womb. My point is to tell you that people are using human reasoning to justify immoral lifestyles. We're to a point that that's what people are doing. And, and people in our world today are swayed very easily because somebody knows how to speak well. Just because it sounds good doesn't mean it is good. Doesn't mean it's God. People are living by feelings rather than by the truth of God. Let me tell you, you're not always going to feel like doing what's right. Thank you for your honesty today. <laughs> you're not always going to feel like doing what's right. And if, but if everybody lived by their feelings, can you imagine how worse it would be? Because you would get upset and you would react to someone and you would take action back towards that person just because you feel that rage and you feel that anger. If we responded every time in every situation in life simply by our feelings, I know this is hard to believe, but it'd be even worse in our world today. You can't live by feelings because feelings will lie to you. Feelings change. Feelings are like the wind. They blow different directions and different speeds. And, and depending on what you ate the night before or how well you slept or what went on at work, you can feel a lot different from one moment to the next. There has to be some standard. There has to be some grounding. There has to be something that guides your life to keep you on the right path. And that's where truth comes in. The problem is there are a lot of people in the world today who have rejected the truth. It's no wonder it feels like a free-for-all because people are living simply by what's going on in their own lives, their own minds, their own hearts, their own feelings. And the Bible is clear that a heart that is not redeemed by Christ is deceitful above all things. You can't trust yourself. So we're dealing with people who've rejected truth. But we can't just write this off as being everyone else. Man, I can't believe they think this way. Man, I can't believe this is this way. I can't believe all these things. But, but you need to be aware today that there is an attack and an assault on truth that somehow, somewhere along the way, you're going to be tempted to lay aside the truth of God and to live instead by what you think or what the world dictates to you. It's not just a battle that everyone else is facing. It's not just a battle that's going through, everyone else is going through. You're going to deal with this too. And we have to be strong in the Lord and knowledgeable of His truth or we too will be swayed. The Bible gives a clear indication that we are to be alert and aware, spiritually awake and not asleep. The Bible gives clear indication that if not careful in the latter days of earth, many people, even the elect, even the Jesus followers, can be deceived and pulled away from Christ. There are repeated warnings in Scripture that we're going to live in a day like this when people have given way to their own ways rather than God's truth, and we're going to have to be strong in God's truth or we'll do the same thing. I've heard many, many years ago that those who work in, in banking and those who work in other jobs are trained to spot counterfeit money. Do you know how they're trained to spot counterfeit money? It's not by studying the counterfeit, it's by studying the real thing. If we are going to recognize deception, if we're going to recognize the lies of the enemy, if we're going to recognize when something that is communicated in our world doesn't line up with the truth of God, we've got to be engaged in the Word of God. We've got to know the truth. And if we're not grounded in God, if we're not grounded in the truth, everyone with a microphone and everyone with a YouTube channel will be able to influence our lives. The psalmist said it this way in Psalm 119. I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. I will delight in your decrees and not forget your word. Now that's just one verse from obviously many in Psalm 119. Sandwiched in the center of scripture all about the truth of the word of God. 
And it is important for us to do more than just own a Bible that collects dust. It's important for us to do more than just have the app on our phone. It's important for us that we engage the Word of God and let God's truth wash over our lives on a consistent basis so that we know the real thing, so that when the lies and the counterfeits come along, we know how to identify the truth. We must be committed to Jesus and the Bible because there is an attack and will be an attack on truth. Secondly, we must be committed to parenting and generational transfer because there is and there will be a focused attack on your children. Now maybe this one's a little personal for me simply because I have a 10-year-old, a 5-year-old, and a year-and-a-half-year-old. Year-and-a-half-year-old, 18-month-old. Do the quick math. No longer in our world do we just need to be worried about what our children do when they become teenagers and beyond. Our young children are being intentionally targeted with the lies of our culture that are ultimately the lies of the enemy. Now, it's interesting to me, if you read statistics, you'll find out that there are a number of people in life who uh, statistics would say that if they're not saved before the age of 18, they may not get saved beyond. Many people are saved in those childhood or teenage years, if you will. If that's true, even if, even if it's only a fraction, but don't you think the enemy wants to keep people, especially in that impressionable age, from hearing the truth? Listen closely. This is not about being angry at people. This is about awareness. You can no longer trust media content just because it's on kids' channels. You can no longer trust that certain people in certain roles in your kids' lives have their best interest in mind just because they have a degree after their name. You can no longer trust that everyone has your children's best interest at heart. I'm not suggesting you should be skeptical. I'm not suggesting you should be negative. I'm not suggesting that you should assume that every person you encounter is bad and wicked and sinful. That's not what I'm saying. I'm simply saying that you need to be aware that there is an intentional attack towards your children. You need to be aware of who's speaking into their lives. You need to be aware of what they're being taught and what they're learning. You need to be aware of what they're watching and listening to. There is an attack on the family unit as a whole. Jesus talked about living in a day when the truth would divide people, even those among the, the, the individual family units. And we're seeing a time where there is a, a work of the enemy that's bringing division even between parents and children. So what do we do? How do we counteract this? Why is this commitment so important? Well, we must, parents, and I'm talking to me, and talking to our family too, but we must be intentional about the influences that we allow in our kids' lives. And that doesn't mean that we just take the wrong things out, because that just creates, if that alone happens, that just creates a vacuum. Something is going to fill that space. Okay? We don't just take the wrong things out, but we also make sure that we put the right things in. And parents, I, I don't mean to, to sound uh, negative or, or uh, to bring, bring bad news to you today, but I'm going to tell you, I think we're all recognizing as parents, especially of younger children, we're going to have to start having these age-appropriate conversations with our kids years earlier than what we used to. And hear me when I say this, if you're not teaching them, if you're not pointing them to the Word, I can promise you there are plenty of people who will point them the other direction. It is so vitally important that we are seeking God, seeking the Word, seeking even other resources that supplement to Scripture that are beneficial to our lives. There's one uh, by an author named Brian Dollar called Talk Now, Talk Later. Uh, parents, it's a good resource for you to have age-appropriate conversations with your children. They may be at an age right now where you only need to introduce a conversation. They may be in an age where they're later in life, where you need to be able to carry that conversation further. I can tell you that from my own experience of parenting, my children are coming home from school, uh, and I'm not 
I'm not, that's not a school system statement. That's just a, that's where they're at. My kids are coming home from school being able to talk about things at an earlier point in life than what we were. You need to be aware. Parenting is a big responsibility, and at times it can be really tiring. At times they have a lot of energy, and you're just ready to go to bed. Come on, somebody. At times you haven't slept well because they've all been in your bed for the last however many nights. And when you have three girls, and this is starting to get too personal, when you, have, when you have three girls and a cat, the cat gets more room than you do in the bed. Thank you, sir. Parenting can be tiring. It can be a, it's a big responsibility. There's no doubt about it. But if we don't take that responsibility to raise them up in the ways of God, the world will be glad to educate them the ways of the enemy. Deuteronomy chapter 6, we read last week. When you get in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 6, Colossians chapter 3, all of these spots and more talk about raising your children in the ways of God. So you need to carry out that responsibility. You need to teach your children, but you also, as I said last week, you need to model it before your children. And pressing it on their hearts is more than just verbally saying it. They need to see you model it. They need to see you live out. And, and they need to see that your life, I'm just going to go far enough to say it, that your life in church matches your life at home. Or every day of your life. There's a reason why we need to be committed to parenting and generational transfer, and that's because there will be a focused attack on your children. Thirdly, you will be pressured. Why is it so important that we reach culture and not conform to culture? You will be pressured to conform to the ideas and ways of culture. You may not have felt the squeeze yet, but you will at some point. You will have crossroad moments in your lives, whether it's parenting or just everyday decisions. You will have moments of crossroads where you have to determine, am I going to do this just because a lot of people do this, or am I going to do it this way because this is what God said? We, we live in a culture right now that seems to be geared around group thinking. Well, there's this group of people that thinks this, and you must align with whatever narrative is being communicated. And if you don't align yourself and your way of thinking and your way of actions with this group of people, then you're labeled. You're criticized. I want to challenge you to dare to be different in a world that seems to all be following the same cultural stream. Let me take you briefly to Romans chapter 12. Several chapters later... Romans chapter 12, and I don't do this often, but I want to read from the paraphrase of the message just so we hear this verbiage here maybe a little bit better. This is the Apostle Paul. He says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. So let's pause for a moment and say, some of the things we're talking about aren't always easy. That's the blessing and promise of the Holy Spirit being at work in our lives. The Holy Spirit's always going to point us to Jesus. He's always going to point us to the truth of God's Word. He will empower us and help us and strengthen us to be able to live this way, even though it may go against the stream of culture. Okay? So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Here's Romans chapter 12, verse 2 in the message paraphrase. Listen closely. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Sin is so around us today that I'm concerned we are growing desensitized to it. And it is easy for us to not be bothered by what's going on. Even further than that, it's easy for us to not be bothered by allowing those things into our lives. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture. Don't be so much like your culture. Don't try to fit in so much that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, notice this, fix your attention on God. 
What does God say? What does His Word say? How does His Word define what we should be doing in these moments in life? You will be changed from the inside out, readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Another translation says it very simply, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Don't don't start living like and reflecting like what's around you. Learn to live by, by what God is doing in you. Learn to live by what the Holy Spirit is producing in your life. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Focus on God. Focus on His Word. I am convinced today you will become like what you believe. Now, let me pause for a moment before we wrap up today. Some of you may be here today or you may be online and maybe you don't know me. Maybe, uh, maybe you've, you've only been here a few times. So let me make clear. This is not a political message with elections being just days away. This is a spiritual message, a message to help us have understanding and awareness. This is a pause moment for the church of Jesus to be alert spiritually and to lean into God and focus more and more on God. I don't, I don't know where you're at in your journey with Jesus, but I can tell you that lately there's a growing craving in my heart Not for less of the Word and less of time with God and less time in conversation, but there's a growing craving in my heart for more and more of God. I find myself disinterested, at least in the way I used to be, with some of the things that used to be hobbies or some of the ways maybe I used to spend time. And and I'm I'm a sports guy, most people know that, but I'm finding myself, even even last night, I'm I'm watching, probably because the Braves aren't in the postseason anymore, that's really probably what it is, but... But I'm, I'm watching baseball and I'm like, you know, this is, this is neat to watch. But there was, I had this book I'm reading that's uh, in many ways written around Scripture. And it's talking about the name of God and, and researching through. And anyway, long story short, I, before I went to bed, I said, you know what? I want to read more. I want to hear more. I want to see more. There's a growing hunger. And I think there's a reason why in God's people there's a growing hunger. It's because things aren't easy now. Things aren't going to be as easy going forward. And I'm not trying to preach to you a negative, sour gospel today. I'm simply just telling you, as Jesus followers, we are engaged in a spiritual battle and you best believe that Jesus' words are true. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's his goal for your life. But Jesus said, I have come, John 10, 10, that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Have it to the full. I want to know that abundant, full life in Christ. I want what he has for me. I want it now and I want it for eternity. And there's a growing desire for more of him. So as I say all of that, I say to you, don't get focused just on the worldly systems of things. In the next several days, you're going you're gonna to see it probably get pretty ugly. But understand today, as we're looking at Scripture and paying attention to God, understand there's a reason why you're seeing what you're seeing in our world today. Number one, the devil is repeatedly referred to in Scripture as the ruler of this world. So when you see evil and wickedness and sinfulness going on, you need to recognize there is an undercurrent of what you're seeing and hearing. This is not just the hearts of people. Yes, the hearts of people without Jesus are sinful, lean towards sin. But the Bible is clear, and I don't have time to flesh all of this out for you, uh, but the Bible is clear that a person who has not decided to follow Jesus and has not been redeemed by the power of God, that person is under control and authority of the enemy. Oh, well, no, pastor, we're, we're all God's children. Well, we're all God's creation. We're all imprinted with His image. But to be His child, we've got to believe in Jesus and follow Jesus. 
We've got to understand why we see what we see. The enemy is at work. Jesus told us this. Go read Matthew 24 and Matthew 25. You can do it when you get a moment. Jesus told us that we would see events in this world increase like birth pains. Now, I know this is going to surprise all of you, but I've never given birth to a child. (laughs) But I've been in the room with someone who has three times. And I can tell you, birth pains are real. I mean, I have a new respect, even just the first child. I had a new respect immediately for those ladies who carry children and give birth. And, and my wife was a superhero at it, to the point the nurse told her she ought to have a house full of kids. To which I said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> three is enough. I got one for the Father, one for the Son, and one for the Holy Spirit. I'm going to need all three of them to help me to not whoop them all the time. <laughs> But Jesus told us that what we would see in this world are going to increase like birth pains. And what I know about birth pains is they increase in frequency and they increase in intensity. That's why you look up today in our world and you say, it seems like it's getting worse. The only thing, in my opinion, scripturally, the only thing that's really holding back the full throttle of evil is the fact that the church is still on the face of this planet empowered by the Holy Spirit. And the scriptures are clear that when the church is taken away, things are going to change on earth real quick. Jesus told us these things are going to happen. Jesus told us not to be surprised when people hate the gospel or oppose his followers because the world hated him. Ephesians 6 talks clearly about spiritual warfare and spiritual war that we're engaged in. In in many ways being an invisible war, but it plays out often in visible ways. Just remember this, and this is hard sometimes for us to navigate. But remember, the Bible says plainly in Ephesians 6 that, that we're wrestling not against flesh and blood. Yeah, you see it playing out so often, but remember a lot of what you see play out is playing out through human beings, and human beings have a soul, and every one of those souls Jesus wants. So the, so the worst one that you dislike the most, that you can't stand to hear talk on the news, some of y'all are laughing because you know what you said at home while you were watching it. Those people are still loved by God. Remember that underneath it all, there is an enemy agenda. We're wrestling against the powers of darkness. So today, we need to be intentional with how we live. We've got to be alert. We've got to be awake. We need now not to... I said this last week. Now is not the time for us to pull away from God. Now is not the time to pull away from the body of Christ. Now is not the time to engage in all these other worldly priorities that the world offers us. I'm not saying everything else is bad. But I'm telling you, there's good and then there's God. And I want to be on God's side of things in my life. I want to lean in. I want to hear His voice. Because there's going to come a time when the voices are so many that I've got to know who's speaking to me. I want to know His voice. I want to know His strength. Because there are going to be some weary days at times. I want to know His empowerment. I want to know God's direction in my life. And I don't get that by disconnecting. I get to that place in my life by leaning in to God. We praise you, Lord. There are going to be moments when you're tempted to get caught up in all of this. I've said before, some of you may need to turn the news stations off. For mental health reasons, turn it off. When you're tempted to get caught up in all of this, and when evil and hatred are grow, growing in our world, <clears throat> when you're tempted to become distracted and pulled all sorts of different directions, when, as you're recognizing this is an ongoing fight, and when you're tempted in moments to become weary and well-doing and, and to question a lot of things, I want to challenge you today, when all of these things are going on and chaos all around, remember what God has said. With all this going on in our world, I think the enemy knows time is of the essence. And just when the enemy thinks he's got it all won, I want you to remember there's coming a day 
when Jesus is going to call every one of us who are Jesus followers out of this world and into glory with Him. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 says, For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. And the believers who have died will rise from their graves, and together with them, we who are still alive and remain on earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and then we will be with the Lord forever. We call this the rapture or the catching away of the church. Just when it feels bad, just when it seems like all is lost, just when it seems like the world's gone crazy, we need to remember what God said. We need to remember that Revelation 19 says that not only are we going to go be with Jesus, but then we're going to come back with Him. Then I saw heaven opened and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood and his title was the Word of God. And the armies of heaven dressed in the finest of pure white linen, followed him on white horses. And then it gets even better because there's coming a day when all the wickedness and all the evil are going to be judged. Revelation 21, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. This old earth is going to pass away. The old earth is going to disappear. The sea was gone and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. Here's what I want you to understand. When you're tempted to get caught up in everything that's going on and tempted to be swayed in all of this and you're tempted to be concerned and you become weary in view of everything with all that's going on in our world, I want to challenge you with two final verses of Scripture for today. First, I want to go to 1 Corinthians 15, 58. This is what the Apostle Paul said to us. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Don't shift. Don't sway. Don't let anything uproot you from the truth. Don't let things or people dictate, but remain strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. And then lastly, John 16, 33. You probably have heard this verse many times. I've told you these things, Jesus said, so that in me you may have peace. What's he told them? He's told him he's going to prepare a place for him in John 14. He's talked about the comforter, the strengthener, the helper of the Holy Spirit in John 14. And he's talked about remaining in him. And how apart from him, we can do nothing in John 15. He says, I've told you all these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. You know, we like the promises of God until he promises trouble. In this world you have trouble, but listen, take heart, I have overcome the world. Let me give you two quick thoughts with this, really quick. That word trouble and tribulation literally means to be pressured, to be squeezed, to be stressed, and to be crushed. It's this idea that things are pressing in on you. But then that word take heart, or one translation says be of good cheer... It's one word in the original language, and it means be courageous and fear not. How? Why? Jesus said, I have overcome the world. But when He said, I have overcome the world, it didn't just mean that moment on the cross as a one moment of victory in one simple battle. It means that the victory has already been won, and the victory is an ongoing victory for Jesus and for His followers. So what are we saying? When it's all crazy, when it's all chaotic, with truth corroding around us, with all the things that are going on, we're still His church. He's still building His church. He's still empowering his church he's still adding to his church he's still true to his word he's still faithful to his promises he's still coming for his church he will be king forever no one can defeat him no one can stop him he is Jesus he is victorious and we are victorious too give God some praise in the house today Now, would you stand on your feet with me this morning? Thank you. We're making these commitments not just because it sounds good to us. We're making these commitments because we recognize what God is saying to us. 
We commit ourselves to Jesus and the Word of God. We commit ourselves to parenting and generational transfer. We want the next generations to know Him as well. As long as we're on this earth, we want people to know Jesus. We commit ourselves to reaching our world and not treating them as enemies, understanding that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but recognizing that every soul matters to God and that we want people to know Jesus as we know Jesus, but we don't want to live like them. We don't want to live like the world that is influenced by the darkness. We want to cling to truth. We are His church. We are His agents to reach this world. We are the people who if we let go of our commitments, who else will hold on to them? If we let go of God, if we let go of the Bible, if we let go of passing Jesus on to the next generation, if we quit and become inactive as a church and just watch the world burn in flames, who else is going to do anything about it? But if we will be a people who say, you know what, it's kind of dark out there. It can be kind of hard. There can be moments, but Jesus is still king. I am still his follower and God's child. He's going to empower me. I'm going to be a person who leans into God. I want to hear His voice. I want to be a person of His Word. If we will be a people who will pass it on in our families and pass it on in the next generations, if we will be a people who will reach the world around us every day, those life circles that you're in, if we will be people who reach those people with the truth of Jesus and what He's done in our lives, I'm telling you today, the church will still be who God wants it to be. We can still have an impact in this world. We can still see people saved and changed. I want to ask you today, if you'll close your eyes, and if you feel comfortable, would you lift your hands as a sign of commitment and surrender to the Lord? I I don't want you to do it just because I'm asking you. Today, I want your eyes to, to be closed just so you're not distracted. And your hands, if you want to raise your hands, it's about you and the Lord. God, today... I can't speak for everyone, but I believe in this room and online today, we are committed to you. I can't help but think, Lord, about the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. As he went from being a person who persecuted your church to a person who became a messenger for you. And he went through a lot of things. A lot of people didn't like him. A lot of people tried to punish him literally beating him stoning him and leaving him for dead he faced all sorts of challenges and trials he faced shipwreck he faced so much but Lord there was a work of the Holy Spirit on the inside of his life that kept him going even in moments when it wasn't pleasant even in moments when it wasn't easy even in moments when things around him were chaotic even in moments when people maybe didn't want to hear the truth He kept going, and I believe, Lord, it was because of your work in his life. He had faith in you and empowerment in him. So God, today I pray that our faith in you will grow greater than ever before. That we will take you and your word to heart like never before. That we will commit ourselves, Lord, to being on this journey with you. That, Lord, we will not give up or give in or give out. We will not give way to the things around us. But, Lord, we will anchor ourselves in you, Lord. That even if the winds blow, and even if trouble comes, we will stand firm in you. We will stand firm in your word. I pray we be intentional to share Jesus to others. That it not just be a nice thing to say we're going to do, but Lord, that we would truly be your active church in this world. In our families, with our children, with the next generations, with the people in the life circles around us, Lord. Holy Spirit, I ask for an empowerment like we've never known before. An empowerment that helps us to stand and to fight the good fight of faith. That helps us to be strong in you and in your mighty power. We lean into you today. We lean in to know you more. We lean in to know your word. Mold us. Shape us. Strengthen us. Empower us and help us, oh God. 
wherever you are in this moment, would you just take a moment and with your own lips, with your own tongue, would you just begin to commit yourself to the Lord today? Maybe you're here today and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. And you're wondering, why does it matter? I would tell you that every human being on the face of the planet that's ever been born has been born with a sin issue, a heart that leans towards rebellion against God in selfish ways. And if something's not done about sin, it separates us from God. And the consequence of sin, when sin entered the world, death came in as well. When someone dies from this life, it's either entrance into a place called heaven to be with God for eternity, entrance into a place called hell that was never destined for human beings it was meant for more for the devil and all the powers of darkness but when we reject the truth of God and what Jesus did we're rejecting the only way to be saved the only way to deal with that sin issue the great news is that God loved you so much he gave his only son Jesus to die on the cross to take your place to take your sin issue to take the punishment you deserved he died and he rose again so that you can have life. Today, if you've never followed Jesus, never made that decision, you can do that even right now. I'm going to ask that any of the prayer partners who are available today would make their way to either side of the platform. They'll be available today to pray with you, whether it's to follow Jesus, whether it's to to pray over a need that you have in your life, whether it's a commitment that you recognize today, Maybe there's some struggle in. I want to challenge you today to commit yourself to God and His Word. To commit yourself to the Lord. To lean in to God. To be spiritually alert and aware. Awake. Attentive to God. I'm going to pray for you today. And I just ask you to respond today to the Lord and let Him work in you and speak in your life today. Father, thank You for Your Word. Help us to take it to heart. Help us to not just be hearers of the Word today, but to be doers of the Word, to live in a way that honors You. Help us not to live in culture and get so accustomed to living in culture that we begin to look like it. Help us, help us, Lord, not to forsake your truth. Help us not, Lord, to, to disconnect or to pull away. But God, help us in these moments in our lives to lean in to you. Father, I pray that you bless and keep this people and that you make your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them. That your countenance ever be turned their direction and that you grant them your peace. And I thank you for it today, Lord, as we respond in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you make this place a place of response today? Feel free to pray in this altar area with any of our prayer partners. Kneeling at your seat, whatever you'd like to do. But would you take some time to respond and commit yourself to the Lord. God bless you and have a great rest of your Sunday.